Welcome to For Your Amusement, a theme park podcast that aims to exhaustively evaluate the world's most popular theme park attractions to determine if they are world class. I'm Ryan Bergara. I'm Byron Marin. And for this episode's featured attraction, we brave the depths of hell itself to discuss Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Disneyland, California. And joining us today in eternal damnation is none other than Poseidon Entertainment. Thank you for coming on to the pod. Yeah, yeah. Very happy to do so. Very happy to talk about Mr. Toad. I just realized we're talking about a ride in which you go to hell and I'm looking at a skeleton. <laughs> I, I can't think of a better version of hell represented pictorially than you being trapped in a podcast tiki bar with Byron and I forever. <laughs> so when we have guests on the show, we, we we ask them what ride they would like to cover and you chose Mr. Toad. So just get into a little bit uh, of why you chose Mr. Toad's. So I appreciate the, um, the kind of weirder side of attractions. And I think that Mr. Toad definitely qualifies in that aspect. I do like how you yeah. You know, do go to hell at the very end. It's a weird ending for a ride. Like, I enjoy older dark rides. I think they have a certain kind of charm to them that a lot of newer rides, while great, yeah. miss that more primitive element that is its own sort of distinct feeling that I enjoy about them. I personally am also a huge dark ride fan. I, I really do look forward to getting on Mr. Toad or any of the Fantasyland dark rides. There's something that kind of reminds me of why the park was started in the first place. Walt went to, you know, really shitty carnival rides. <laughs> and this feels like you could see that lineage pretty clearly. You get on Rise of the Resistance, you're kind of like, well, how was this ever started as like a better Coney Island? Whereas you get on this, you could, you could feel, oh, this is a more elevated version of that. I like the style of all the paper cutouts in this ride too, but we'll get into more of that later. For now, let's jump into some history, Byron. 1908, a children's novel entitled The Wind in the Willows by English novelist Kenneth Graham is published. Although receiving negative reviews upon initial publication, the novel is adored over the years by readers of all ages, including Teddy Roosevelt, who wrote a letter to Graham expressing his love for the characters. One of those characters being Mr. Toad, a rich and impulsive Toad of Toad Hall, who developed a reckless driving habit when introduced to a motor vehicle. <laughs> Fast forward to 1937, Walt Disney releases Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which changes the game in regards to what animated films could be. The success of Snow White encourages Walt Disney Productions to acquire the rights to The Wind in the Willows. Production for The Wind in the Willows begins in 1941. However, Walt Disney is not necessarily pleased with the animation at the time, and with the combination of World War II, this project gets shelved until 1949, where it gets released as a two-part bundle feature alongside Ichabod Crane in the 1949 animated double feature, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I just think it's really funny that they made a an animated Toad have motor mania. He gets obsessed with this car in the cartoon, right? Mr. Toad is a fanatic when it comes to fads. So just a few years after the release of The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, Disneyland is under construction. And with Disneyland, the jolly character would get his own dark ride in Fantasyland entitled Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, sharing a show building with fellow opening day attraction Peter Pan's Flight. The ride gets designed by Imagineers Claude Coates, Ken Anderson, Bill Martin, and Robert Maddy. Claude Coates being an Imagineer that would go on to be pivotal for Haunted Mansion's development. He uh, handled a lot of the scary elements to it, so it's no surprise that yeah. alongside Snow White's scary adventure, he has a very big hand in making Mr. Toad's wild ride come to fruition. I don't know that guy personally, but I think he's an absolute maniac. 
because if you've seen footage of the original Snow White ride, or even like some of the scary parts of Haunted Mansion, and then he sends <laughs> guests to hell on this ride. <laughs> This man is a twisted dude. We'll dive into some of the creative liberties that they took on this ride that were not even featured in the source material that are darker than the source material. No, they went for it a little bit. I wish somebody at, at the time this was called Wed still, like yeah, Dis- Disney Imagineering, I wish somebody would just come up to Claude and just ask him if he's okay. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride opened on July 17th, 1955 with the rest of Disneyland Park. Much like the rest of the park on opening day, though, Mr. Toad had a rough go out of the gate yep. as it had electrical fuses blow out. Right. But luckily, like with the rest of Disneyland, they persevered. And then a few months after opening, the ticket booklet system would be implemented at Disneyland and Mr. Toad's would officially become a sea ticket attraction. Disrespect. At the time that the ticket booklets were introduced, C was the highest level. Okay, never mind. It's not D and E came later down the road. Disrespectful e ticket being introduced with Matterhorn, I believe, in 1959. So C ticket at the time, creme de la creme. I like that Disneyland was a shit show in the beginning. It's very inspiring, <laughs> especially when you think of this podcast. Because at this point, I think we have about five listeners. You know, even if we start out as a shit show, we can maybe one day blossom into a beautiful flower in the form of Mr. Toad. Hopefully, um, hopefully. I'm not sure what episode this will be, but uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping by now that we have listeners that extend beyond my wife and my mom. Byron's mom as well. I'm oh, assuming no, she... Poseidon, you're also going to loop your mom into this as well. Sure. Does sure. your mom watch your content? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. She'll text me and be like, oh, I love your it, Bush it, Gardens video. I'll be like, oh, thank you. Was she the one that got you into theme parks or were you always kind of into it? Like, did you develop the sickness on your own? So I was born uh, around Tampa. That's where I grew up. And so, you know, li- gotcha. living not too far from Orlando, we would go to the parks once or twice every year or so. That's kind of where I discovered that I loved theme parks. And as I grew older, I kind of realized that it's not just a form of entertainment, but it is, I think, like an artistic expression. That's what made me become really interested in it beyond just a form of entertainment. October 1st, 1971, a second iteration of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride would open with the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Unlike its Disneyland counterpart, though, Mr. Toad's in the Magic Kingdom would get a dual track most likely to help with capacity issues in addition to providing different show scenes on each track but fret not they still included hell when you were thinking of mr toads for this poseidon were you um were you thinking of the walt disney world version or the disneyland version oh the disneyland version if i went on the version in the magic kingdom i was probably too young to remember it i wrote it last night via youtube just as twisted as the one in Disneyland, uh, I gotta say. I like that they didn't do any course correction at all for that one. <laughs> they were just like, I, if we've gotten complaints about Mr. Toad in Disneyland, joke's on you. We're going to make it bigger and better in a Disney World and we're going to have two versions of the ride. Now, the neat thing about the Disney World iteration is that each track, you got a slightly different experience. You actually got to see different parts of Toad Hall. The hell scene was, they, those were mirrored though. Those were exactly the same. This takes us back to Disneyland 1983. Fantasyland as a whole gets an overhaul. And this includes renovating Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. The entire interior gets gutted. They actually make updates that were inspired by the Magic Kingdom version. So it gets better effects, better show scenes. And also they're going to double down on the front entrance, which when it originally opened had like a very cheap, medieval looking canvas facade. And now it's got that beautiful kind of stone 
delayed. Toad Hall. Unfortunately for the Magic Kingdom's version of this ride, Disney revealed plans in 1998 to replace it with what would become the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It's also important to note that the internet now existed, which resulted in actual protesting for months. There's a lot of toadies out there that <laughs> really love this attraction, <laughs> but luckily for those heartbroken toadies, the OG ride still lives on in California for now. Do you think Winnie the Pooh would fuck up Mr. Toad or do you think Mr. Toad would win that fight? I'm not, not really quite sure. I think if we put them in the ring, Pooh doesn't seem like a fighter, but Mr. Toad is quite small. So, you know, Pooh's got the size. Yeah, but he's also lazy. You don't know this beside him, but Byron, all of our friends call him Pooh Bear. Oh, okay. Because he kind of lumbers around like Winnie the Pooh, consistently looking for, in, in Byron's case, ice cream. My, my wife calls him Pooh Bear. These rumors stem from me in my weakest moments. <laughs> And for whatever reason, those moments float to the surface. Let's go into some fun facts. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Uh, as you said, this ride was replaced in Disney World by the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But you can actually find a picture of Mr. Toad handing the deed to his house to Al from Winnie the Pooh in the ride which I think is really funny. It is a visual representation of salt on the wound, I must say. Al also being known as one of the most pompous characters in Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I can't think of anybody worse to hand over a deed to. It's just this guy loving it. You guys got any guesses on how fast this ride goes? I'm going to go with six miles an hour. I'm going to go with three miles an hour. Poseidon is the winner. It's 2.9 oh miles per God. hour. <laughs> oh, a wild ride indeed. Also, fun fact, that's how fast the Mario Kart ride goes in Universal Studios. Oh. I, it, I don't know if that's true, but it just feels like it. This ride also has a theoretical capacity of 654 riders per hour. Seems kind of low. I just did it for fun this morning because I actually timed the well, loading process at Mr. Toad's. You're a and sick it's man. Two, two riders per vehicle. And if they go off at about like 15 seconds or so, it's, it's in the 500s or 600s if you were to go like a 12 hour. <laughs> Hour day, then I got to about like in, in between five to six thousand guests. I think it can take a day. Seems like a pretty accurate number. I could not find out how much this ride cost to build, which we normally tell you guys, but I couldn't find it. It was part of the opening day rush. They probably weren't even recording that. I have no idea. Do you also have to... so much of that budget would bleed into Peter Pan because they shared the same show building, probably. That's right. So I don't even know how exact you could even get the budget to be. This ride was originally thought of as a roller coaster, but oh. Walt thought that that would be too wild of a wild ride for even adults, which is hilarious considering how this ride ends. But we'll talk about that more later. Each one of the ride vehicles is named after one of the characters from the film. Mr. Winky, right? There's Mr. Mr. Winky. Winky. I know there's that beaver dude who has like... He Mr. Looks like Badger? He's, is that another he, one? Mr. Badger. He looks like he's rich. I just rewatched the film recently and I couldn't even remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it has some staying power that sounds like an attraction that we should build some have theorized that the ride can be interpreted as a cautionary tale for drunk driving or at the very least reckless driving and by some i mean me i think that but again we'll talk about that a little bit more later apparently a lot of alice in wonderland is built on top of mr toad's wild ride which would make replacing toad very difficult which is good for all of us to hear. And sometimes you can actually hear some of Alice in Wonderland's ride, the cues. You could hear some of them bleeding through the walls during Mr. Toad when it breaks down, which hasn't happened to me. This ride, for the most part, has never broken down when I've uh, when I've ridden it, and I think that's pretty cool. I'd love to hear some Alice, though. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I love that um, ride. I think that might be my second favorite in Disneyland. So it's... Oh, damn, same building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Essentially. The crest on the outside of the building facade reads, Toady Accelerate... This is like some kind of Harry Potter spell. Toady acceleratio, acceleratio semper absurda. 
which is Latin, and that directly translates to Toad's acceleration is always absurd. Or in less robotic sense, it means speeding with Toad is always absurd. Well, I don't know who that's for, but I like it. It's for us, for us to find that little detail. No one's going to be like, hey, I know Latin. Let me break this out in Fantasyland. I was finding it wild that they're putting Latin outside of what's supposed to be like an English estate. The only time I hear Latin in America is when someone's being possessed by the devil. Which, <laughs> oh, maybe that's why they go to hell. That just occurred to me. They're cheeky. Man, this this ride cuts way deeper than we could have ever imagined. The now departed Mr. Toad at Walt Disney World had two tracks, each with a different experience. One had you go through the library across the countryside, through a farm, a prison, and a shootout, only to get hit by a train. Then the other version had people go through Toad's trophy room, a kitchen, a nomad camp, and then you go through Winky's Tavern before getting the kiss of death from that train as well. One of the ride vehicles was repurposed as a Halloween decoration for Cars Land in California Adventure. That's a fate that I wish on nobody. And then Toad Hall is also a restaurant in Disneyland Paris. There's no ride there, though. I did not know that. Did you know that? I knew that. Have you been to Disneyland Paris? I have not, but I do like the idea of being able to dine in there. I think it's just like a quick service or something. Last fun fact here, touringplans.com says on its site that Mr. Toad's is, quote, at the technological basement of the Disney attraction mix, end quote. Oh, that's... (laughs) Which now means I have to track down the person who wrote that so I can send them to hell myself. I don't understand why they needed to include that little dig. I guess it's just so people don't expect Rise of the Resistance, but I thought that was a bit of a cheap shot. I I think the low-tech aspect of Mr. Toad is what I like about it. I like that it's, you know, glow-in-the-dark plywood cutouts. I don't think everything has to be high-tech to be a fun little ride. That does it for fun facts. Let's move on to current reputation. That is... Uh, We're going to discuss how popular the attraction is today. What are the average wait times? Where does it fit in the theme park landscape? Did it plug any holes? And how do people generally feel about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride today? Oof. Okay. So there are very strong and very negative opinions. For example, my girlfriend hates this ride. (gasps) Why does she hate this ride? Uh, In quote, you go to hell. I don't like that. Which is funny because that's the direct reason why I love this. Ride. I know, exactly. <laughs> so, this sits with the highest recorded wait time of 55 minutes. 55 minutes? What? Wait, what date was that on? December 28th of 2019. Damn, Once that's again, recent. this yeah. is the highest recorded wait time. You also have to keep in mind that, like, let's say during like the 50s and 60s, like people weren't just like plugging in wait times. That's true. All Nobody, the time. They were out there in the, in the line reading the paper. All time average wait time sits at 16 minutes and it has been around since opening day, which is uh, a testament to um, its impact. Do your pals like this ride as well, Poseidon, or is this kind of like a you exclusive? Me and my fiance, we love traveling to Disneyland. We just bought magic keys and this is always like the first oh, thing nice. that we have to do. Oh amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like especially when you go to the hell scene, the little the little devils, she um she's always like, oh it's like little devil figments. Oh man. You know, I love that you're saying that because we're gonna talk about those little guys a little later because we're gonna get into the things we do and don't like about this ride. You've planted that seed. I do imagine that there's a fair amount of complaints at City Hall and guest relations about this ride. Because, like, you have to imagine, for the unsuspecting visitor, you don't expect to go on a dark ride in Fantasyland and get murdered and sent to hell. (laughs) But, you know, uh, let's move on to first impressions. This is where we just recount our first time on the ride. What was the initial effect it had on us? Uh, Let's start with you, Poseidon. Do you remember the first time you got on this ride? Yeah, the first time I went to Disneyland was in 2018. I kind of vaguely knew what the ride was, but 
I was just kind of taken aback by how weird everything was. And I, you know, I love weird stuff. So it instantly became my favorite. What was the first thing you saw on the ride where you were like, well, that's a little different. I liked standing in the queue and seeing people burst out of the fireplace in their little automobiles. It's just, I don't (laughs) know. I love how it's just a little car. And even though the steering wheel, like it doesn't do anything, it's still fun to palm it as you go around. I, it's just, it's so chaotic for really no good reason. And that's what I like about it. I like that there's explosions. I like they get run over by the train. I like they go to hell. It's crazy. And uh, yeah, I have to ask you, did you know about the ending of this ride before you got on it? Or were you one of the lucky few that had no idea? I vaguely knew about it, but it's definitely different in person. When you go into that room and you just get hit by like the heat and the humidity and then you just see the little devil figments everywhere. It's just it's so dumb. It's so stupid. And that's what I love about it. I often daydream about the idea of some sort of pill that could be invented where i could erase select parts of my brain so i could experience them for the first time oh yeah for sure things like you know seeing psycho for the first time not knowing the norman bates twist things like that but among that list sitting high at the top would be not knowing you die and go to hell on this ride (laughs) which if you haven't been on this ride and we've spoiled it for you i don't know why you listened to this podcast to begin with so i don't want to hear any complaining if i could erase my mind and just experience the magical nature of being slapped in the face by a train and then greeting Satan after. That's not even Satan, it's the judge. I'd like to think I'd go to heaven, but you know, if if hell's like it's pictured in this ride, I'll take a second look at hell. I appreciate that Poseidon here actually went on it at a much later age than we went on it because what is someone who's an adult that has never been on this ride thinking? I was probably about three or four years old uh, when I first went on this attraction. It was grouped in with all the fantasy dark rides. For whatever reason, like this, maybe along with Peter Pan, stuck out the most. This one, for the aesthetic nature of it, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed a lot of the kinetic energy that you do get, as Poseidon mentioned, where you go through the fireplace. You get those little embers on the floor that like- Oh, it's so good. You could hear those kind of sizzle despite being, what was it, 2.9 miles an hour? That's right. It is a rapidly paced ride. It Uh, feels like it goes into turns and stuff like that. Yeah, constantly turning because it's in such a tiny footprint, but they really make the most of it. That was probably like the fastest paced ride I had been on at the time. So it was kind of my gateway moving towards, you know, more thrill rides, oddly enough. It didn't register to me at the time how weird the storyline was. (laughs) Uh, I just remember the the sensation of feeling like I was going fast. Yeah. You know, you you felt a sense of danger. Yeah. Um, And when I even go on it today... uh, it harkens back to those fun feelings that I had as a kid. I, I had a similar experience. I probably got on this when I was three or four years old and everyone in my family was really stoked about Peter Pan and flying over the city. And I was like, let me get on that toad ride again because <laughs> there was just something crazy about it. And maybe that was just kind of a premonition of what my my career would become in, in terms of dealing with the uh, the spooky nature of things. But I don't know. There was just something about this ride that just really captured my imagination. You know what I just remembered right now? What? We would go with like our cousins and stuff. So you'd have a bunch of parents with you, not just your parents. You'd have like your uncles and stuff like that. The dads were always particularly stoked about Mr. Toad more than the other Fantasyland. Not because the ride like, is metal. You're sitting with a man, they're like, Mr. Toad, we're going on Mr. Toad. They're excited to take me on. Yeah, I mean, when you're spending all day on Casey Jr. Circus Train and then getting on Dumbo, it might be nice to go to hell. And I think that's a nice chaser for a dad because oftentimes I feel like dads feel like they are in hell when they're at Disneyland. <laughs> Most dads I see look like they're barely hanging on. Not me, though. When I have a kid, oh boy. That kid, that kid's going to be barely hanging. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move to the good and the bad. 
what are the good and bad things about this ride? I have a bunch of things written down here for good. I'm going to go through all of them. First off, great facade. I think it's my favorite in Fantasyland by far. I love a guy who has a home and he just has nothing but statues of himself everywhere. Oh. I think there was about eight. I, if I could buy I that statue as soon as you walk in, I would do it. Oh, it's good. Well, because when it's you good to pet come into the unload head. station, if you look to your right, there's a portrait there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, can you picture it? Are you talking about the mural that sits right at the loading zone? No, not the mural. It's when you're getting off the ride, but you're like unloading in from the station to, to your right. Oh, yes. The, I do know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, Jay Thaddeus yeah. Toad in his aristocrat getup. And yeah. I saw I saw a portrait of that at Disney Springs for $400 and I bought it. But <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so <laughs> good. Wonderful frame. I mean, I respect it. Like sometimes I'll watch Architectural Digest and I'll see people give tours of their homes and they have like pictures of themselves hung everywhere. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but if I were to tour Mr. Toad's home, which I guess I have, I enjoy it. I think he could get away with it because he has the swag to pull it off. He doesn't live with anyone, does he? Clearly not. He's got car mania, dude. He's got motor mania. This guy only cares about going fast. Moving on to the next good here. We got a cool mur mural up front and like lovely chandeliers hanging over you in the queue. I like the mural too because it kind of is a roadmap of everything that happens in the ride. You actually see hell in that mural. Also... Love the tactile spinning nature of the wheel that's on the ride. Poseidon touched on this a little earlier. You know, you have other wheels that are done on other ride vehicles. Indiana Jones does it. I believe Dinosaur does it. No one does it better than Mr. Toad. The wheel actually spins, which I really enjoy. And when I was a kid, I legitimately thought that I was driving and steering that car. And I got so much anxiety because I just felt like I was putting my family in such extreme danger. Because I was like, man, I'm really fucking this up. Is you know, that's how I thought when I was a kid. I was that's exactly how I said it too. Did you have that same reaction? Oh no, I was having I was having a blast. I was like, dude, I'm really beefing this hard. Did you did you feel like you were? Oh well, you were you were, you got on it in 2018. That would be odd if you thought you were driving. Uh, I mean, you got to pretend, right? Some, it's part of the fun. You have to you pretend. have to palm the wheels. You go around the corners. Oh, so you're one handing it? Yeah, I love the 19. I think they're 1903 modeled vehicles and. Upon initial release, this was the only attraction where people actually understood that you were the POV of the main character, unlike all the other ones. They yeah. like that just got misconstrued because the ride building, the, the ride vehicle was the selling point. You as, as soon as you sit in, you knew you were in the perspective. You were Mr. Toad going through this ride. I have something about that in my bad. We'll get to that later. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know who loves these ride vehicles? John Stamos. He loves these. Oh. He he purchased one. It's in his house along with a giant D, the, uh, the sign. I'm not saying that John Stamos has a, a giant D. I mean, he might. I have no idea. But uh, he does have one in his backyard as well. Like Byron said, always a big fan of moving through that fireplace. I don't know what it was. I actually literally wrote the embers excited me as a child. I don't know why going through a fireplace and having the wall unfold just really opened up a part of my brain when I was a kid. There's just something about it and the sound effects of it crackling that really, I don't know, it just it just captured my attention. I don't know what that is. I think one of the strengths of the ride is there's so many little effects that make things feel more impactful. Like that little, what, they're like little lights on the floor, right? Like the embers? Yeah. They're like yeah. when you're going over the dock and the... Uh, like the vehicle is just like bouncing up and down like you're going over uneven planks. Yes, yeah. It's just the little sensory things or little touches that really make it feel kind of intimate and special and really just put it, uh, at least in my mind, above a lot of modern stuff. And I, I, I like those little aspects of it. No, I agree with you. They really went above and beyond in terms of making this a more uh, dimensional experience, unlike some of the other Fantasyland dark rides. And nowadays, so many of those attractions are getting like the digital 
projection enhancements. Yeah, that's true. Where I think Mr. Toad's been holding strong. It almost worries me because it almost makes me feel like they don't want to put money into it for certain reasons. I'm glad. it. But, keep, keep forgetting about it because I want this ride to remain exactly the same 100 years from now. We got the cops in the forest. You know, we're all just being programmed to want to dust cops in the forest. We ha- it happens here. It happens in the E.T. ride. It's just funny that we were just taught to run away from cops in the forest. <laughs> uh, then we run into this farmer guy under a bridge. Um, maybe you'll know about this. I don't really know why he's so pissed off at Mr. Toad. He has his animals that are on the bridge. He think I think he actually says, Away with you! I don't know what his deal is. He's very upset. I mean, in the film, isn't the, doesn't he like crash through a farm? Like he's not driving the car yet, but I think he's uh, like a, the horse and oh, buggy. Yeah, I think he right. crashes through somebody's farm. Maybe it's related to that. That makes sense why he said away with you, which is a very British thing to say. And then we go into a hilarious warehouse full of dynamite. It's, it's full of barrels that say dynamite, complete with a guy screaming, that's dynamite. That's dynamite! <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure that, and I always think it's funny when you have really old dark rides like this and you hear the voiceover on the attraction, like the voice actors, that's somebody's grandpa yelling, that's dynamite! That's dynamite! And then we go to the explosion scene, very similar to what we see in Roger Rabbit, love that. John through town, see the tavern dude, he's flipping beers, having a good time, never seen a bartender do that. I'd like to though. Is that Mr. Winky? Yeah, Mr. Winky. I think it's Mr. Winky. Mr. Winky. He ducks and like the beer glasses are still there spinning. They're still there spinning. I I think if your name is Winky, somehow adding Mr. in front of it makes it creepier. But yeah, I like him. He's got a good mustache. Anyways, funny British accents throughout this ride. There's there's some dude screaming at you from some some scaffolding when you're going through town. There's also a voice at the beginning of the ride that says, have a jolly good time. I don't know who that's supposed to be. I guess is that Mr. Toad? I thought I had read that it that that was actually Mr. Toad, and I think that was actually the original voice actor. I thought I had read something like that because you were just talking about was it um like someone's grandpa, and I was like, wait, I thought I heard something about like one of the original voice actors coming back. Maybe that's Mr. Toad. I I was curious what his voice sounded like. If it if that's what it sounds like, I don't. That's fun. And then of course the main event, we go to court. We got the judge. He's sitting there pretty imposing. You know, good character design for that judge. Has the, like, the funny little powdered wig set up. Yells guilty. Guilty! Points his big-ass finger (laughs) towards that door. But what's behind the door, Byron? A fucking train. That's what's behind the door. And this scene is spectacular. I I imagine this must have freaked the hell out of guests back in 55. there's anything that's ever been done like that to this point where you have a a light and red you know like a a headlight and red lights on a track moving towards you as you're moving toward it in a tunnel to simulate the effect of a train coming head on at you this has to be the first of this of this gag ever done because they do it in radiator springs racers too i wonder if that was an homage to it it has to be but could you imagine getting on this ride for the first time in that effect they probably had people jumping out of the car thinking an actual train was going to crush them I love it. It's just like like Poseidon said earlier, the, the little details that they have in this ride to make it more of a sensory experience. Even getting on it now today, I get frightened looking at that train. It, it's very effective. Yeah, I'm pretty tall. And even uh, I, I know it won't hit me, but like I, I still kind of <laughs> duck. <laughs> How tall are you? Uh, 6'3". Holy shit. You're like almost Shane height. That's you're you're a tall guy. Yeah. Anytime I ask the question, how tall are you? I feel like a toddler, by the way. Oh, no, that's it's, it's not how all tall it's, are you <laughs> like Space Mountain is scary 
for for tall people you know oh i can't imagine yeah because of the head chopper yeah effect. yeah you know we get we get hit by the train we got a nice little strobe light very disorienting stuff then another door if you did not know the end of this ride no one in their right mind would guess that behind the door after you get hit by a train is a giant devil face with an open mouth in which you <laughs> crawl through it and <laughs> and fucking hell awaits you on the other side of that i love the, the ultimate zag of Walt Disney greenlighting, sending guests to the dominion of the damned. Apparently, Imagineers, like I said earlier, were stonewalled by Walt when they said they wanted to make this a fast ride, a roller coaster. And he thought that, you know, <laughs> that, that would be a bit too much. And then after that, the Imagineers are like, well, we have another idea. And they slapped uh, a little pamphlet of hell on Walt's desk. And he was like, hell yeah, dilly dilly. Here's actually a quote from Imagineer Bill Martin. He was talking to E-Ticket Magazine. He said, quote, I remember the meeting when we thought of the train coming at you idea. That was a catch on gag. The last effect at the end of the ride that sends you to hell. So, uh, end quote, that that right there is confirmation that, of course, we do die and then we do go to hell. He continues. Here's more of Martin. He says, quote, that idea of going through the devil's mouth through the jaws of hell was OK with Walt at the time, too. End quote. I just I, I think it's just fucking hilarious that when confronted to make a ride called Mr. Toad's Wild Ride fast. Walt said, no, can't have that. Love the idea of hell, though. We should definitely go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been in the weeds with, like, Jungle Cruise or some other, like, opening day attraction. And, like, that was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure, great. Yeah, go to hell. It's fine. <laughs> Let me f figure out these uh, elephants on the Jungle Cruise, though. Anyways, love that we're in hell. It's cool to be in hell. It's also nice that they make the room really warm, which I mentioned. You mentioned that earlier. It is quite humid in there. I don't, I guess they just crank the heat in that particular room. Yeah, it's, it's hard to breathe. It's just, the door's open and it's just, the air gets sucked out of you. You just, <gasps> it's, it's such a great reveal. Just seeing that giant skull face. You also see the judge again. Cool to see him again. This time he's hellified. Which by the way, did you know that the likeness of the judge and then what becomes Satan? It's, I guess that's the likeness of the prosecutor in the film. It's not the judge in the film, it's the prosecutor. Thank you, that is all. They just turn him into a judge in the ride. Is it also him that does the funny little giggle? Because he giggle, he like laughs at you as you're going to hell. <laughs> I don't know if you Possibly, know that. I'm, uh, that's a good question. Is, is the voice actor the same or is it the same voice? What I do know is in the film, you definitely don't go to hell. In the book, you don't go to hell. No, they um, changed the ending of the film purposefully because they wanted it to be more real, I suppose. Uh, great sound design, though, in general on this ride. You know, we got the police whistle, we got the train, the soundscape of hell itself. Poseidon mentioned earlier the sounds of the planks as you're going uh, past those bad boys. It's just, it really did go above and beyond to, to create more of an experience. And we're going to get to it here. The, the little mini devils. <laughs> Poseidon, you mentioned them earlier. Satan's children. I don't really know what the hell they are. I think they're kind of cute. Yeah, absolutely. I, like them. I think they're very funny. I don't know what they are. I love the idea that they're little figment devils. <laughs> they're they're quite whimsical looking. They make sound, right? They're like, like they're like, yeah, they, yeah, they're they're they, like chippy little. And they wiggle a little bit. They wiggle. Yeah, like, like kind of bouncing. Yeah, they're just on sticks. And and they're they just tiny little yeah. pitchforks. <laughs> I love that they have little forks. And then we end here. We're jump scared by a fire breathing dragon. <laughs> and then they just kick you out the door into the like blinding light of fantasy land and just the ride ends and that's that it's a 10 out of 10 ending yeah it's so discombobulating you always feel like in these disney rides or disney movies that oh you're gonna make it out you're gonna survive and then they're like nope there's the door 
Go buy a churro. There's nothing more metal than that. I just can't believe that this happened. I, I love that we're talking about it. It needs to be celebrated. It's such a weird way to end a ride. And mm. you were you mentioned it earlier, Poseidon, when you were talking about you like watching those doors crash open. Is, is part of that because you like seeing the shock faces of tourists? Sure. Um, I will say in my own little head canon, I kind of see it as even hell cannot contain Mr. Toad. So he just bursts right through the brimstone and back into his house. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's a very optimistic take. What do you think of the idea that this is kind of an allegory for drunk driving? I think it's just crazy to be crazy. I think they just <laughs> <laughs> I think they just wanted to go wild. They needed to differentiate all the different little fantasy land rights from each other. And I think that yeah, they're, yeah. they just... Yeah. It just had to get out of control. You got anything else, Poseidon? Uh, so, like, in a park full of, like, big e-tickets, I think what I also enjoy about this ride is that there's never really much of a wait. I don't think I've waited more than 20 minutes for it, even on a really busy day. And I think those small little rides are very important for your experience in terms of, like, handling park capacity. And even though it's not, you know, Rise of the Resistance or Space Mountain, it still makes your day just a little bit better. Even if it's not, even if you're not personally a fan of the ride, it's fun to do something that's just small and a relatively short wait. And it's also nice to be able to pop onto a 15 minute wait and know that you're going to have a crazy ass experience. <laughs> now let's move to the bad. I only have a couple things here because really I do love this ride. Byron spoke about this earlier. The POV, we're in Toad's POV. I kind of wish we heard him every now and then in the ride, like giggling. Really? Have you have a strong affinity for the character Toad? No, I just think it would be fun. Like, you know, when you you go into the POV of like Michael Myers and you hear like the, <sighs> you know, like the breathing behind the mask. I think it'd be really fun if we heard Toad being a little stinker while he was driving. Like if he was like, <laughs> crashing through walls like later suckers that's the enhancement if they choose to do it maybe onboard sound that could just be my personal preference i just think it'd be fun to hear toad's voice you love this ride Poseidon. <laughs> how much do you hate the idea of having him do little giggles every now and then i actually really like that idea oh hell <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Poseidon approved i think it'd be really funny yeah he's a funny yeah. little guy let him be a funny little guy I mean, it's already stupid ride. Uh, you might as well just amp it up yeah. he's a troll let him be that also here comes another bad pitch it's funny that all my bads are just things that i think maybe they could do i'm not sure they'd be great but i'd like to see them some music on the ride like an onboard audio track now that might be going a little too far i'll admit that but i'd be curious there is a I'd song like there is a song that plays right it's the do, 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 do. and you hear it everywhere yeah yeah I guess I just wish it was on board. Another bad I have here. I hate to be this guy, but I, I do kind of wish we could have seen the fast version of this ride. I know Matterhorn was the first thrill ride at Disneyland. Could you imagine if this this was the first thrill ride, though? If there we, we got like a toad coaster? That'd be awesome. Do you think it would be like a wild mouse? Like if if, if they actually oh built like a coaster? Oh my God, you're probably just, right. It would have been a wild mouse, It right? would have been a wild mouse ride. They didn't do tubular steel track yet because that came with Matterhorn. I wonder what wild mouse coasters looked like at the time. Yeah, they were they were made of wood. As far yeah. as I'm aware, they've been made yeah. since like the early 1900s. I mean, we're never going to see it because this is such an old piece of IP, but damn, a toad coaster would kick ass. And then my last bad thing here is, you know, the queue's not amazing, but it's Fantasyland. Not much you could do. Small footprint. That does it for my bads. Do you have anything else that any uh, nitpicks you want to have here? That's really all I have. Yeah, I, I don't it. got anything else. It's a pretty good ride. I'll leave the floor to you here, Poseidon. No, I, I like it as it is. I do <laughs> nice. think it is probably between that and Pinocchio, probably next on the list for Disney to kind of add some projections or something. They've seemed to do it to handle the other ones really well. So here's hoping that they do yeah. it here too. Alice was a good example, I thought. And they also did it in Snow White as well. 
too. And Peter Pan. Yeah, I am a little disappointed they got rid of the scariness aspect of Snow White, but I do think it is a more cohesive experience now. So I do think they fixed more than they took away. I love that scary version. I get why they got rid of it because kids were having nightmares. But hey, look, maybe let kids have nightmares. It's a good place for them to learn what fear is. And I think that's the case here with Toad. If they ever change him going to hell, I... I, I don't know even. Oh, yeah. See, I don't, I don't think I'd like it anymore uh, if they, <laughs> they remove that No, that's element. like one of the main things. With that, though, let's move on to the crown jewel of this episode, the finale, the world-class tests. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. All right, and we're back. It's time for the world-class test. This is a rubric of 10 tests painstakingly devised by Byron and myself to determine if an attraction is world-class. To receive the highly coveted world-class pass, the attraction must pass 7 out of 10 tests. A score of 6 out of 10 leaves the attraction up for debate for world-class pass standing. And anything lower than 6 out of 10 is an automatic fail. And look, this is an old ride. Even if it doesn't pass this... You're letting us down softly here, aren't I'm you? just saying, I don't know what's going to happen here. So, All right, the first test is the average tourist test. Would the average tourist have a hard time getting on this ride? Is there a long wait... Is there a complicated queue system? No. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I think it's pretty straightforward as straightforward as, well. as it is. Even if you don't know about the ride, you're going to walk through that castle. Yeah. You're going to go experience Fantasyland. There's no way you don't do that if you're going to Disneyland. And it's just part of that bundle. There's no way you miss it. No, I think this is a pretty easy past. It's, it's a 15-minute average wait time usually. You get in line. You get on the ride. You don't have to get in any kind of goofy you know, virtual queue or get genie plus or anything like that so i think we could move on one for one starting off strong moving on to test number two the leslie stall test would you be willing to wait 60 minutes for this attraction no but <laughs> i would just <laughs> come back later like that was painful <laughs> Because if it's 60 minutes, something is wrong. The park is too busy. But let's talk hypothetically. Let's say you you, you come to Disneyland because you, you're from out of town, which you are. Yeah. And you are on vacation there. And the entire time, it's just 60 minutes the entire time. Are you are you going to bite the bullet eventually? At least once, yeah. I, I can't leave Disneyland without riding it. That's fair. But I think in my heart of hearts... I don't see a world in which I wait 60 minutes for this ride. When this question comes up, Poseidon, we we usually discuss like if we're with like a family or like anyone that like has never been to Disneyland, you know, would that sway the decision? And I think when it comes to Mr. Toad, I still can't in good faith with the <laughs> amount of with the amount of other rides. If yeah. I was with a family of people who had never been to Disneyland, if I put them through an hour of Mr. Toad and then they ran out of time and couldn't do Rise of the Resistance or <laughs> Space Mountain. I would lose my head. I, I would go straight to hell. Yeah, Could you imagine, though, like you convince an entire group, like, we got to wait 60 minutes for Toad. You got to do that. And they get off the ride and they're like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, like, I, I'll do that I, to people with like Fast imagine. and Furious. And I'll be like, yeah, you have to wait for this. Oh, like my a, God. Oh, you're such a, a troll. Su supercharged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. After all that. I'm going to have to say it's a fail for me. Byron, are you saying it's a fail? Yeah, it's a fail. Poseidon, you could still say it's a pass if you I'll, want to. I'll agree it's with you. I Realistically. It's never, <laughs> it's never even reached 60 minutes. That's so. true. But if we're talking hypothetical, yeah, land, I, still, no. I still think it's a fail. One for two. That's fine. Test number three, the smartphone test. Does the cue of this ride have enough to keep you off of your phone? Oof. I, 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 don't, I don't think so either. Like, there's uh, not a lot going on in this queue that's going to keep my attention. I guess, like, 
if you're in that outside switchback area, you're getting the Fantasyland ambiance, but that's not really part of the ride or the queues, the ride's queue. No. It's aesthetically pleasing. There's not really much going on in the story department. I will say, though, Poseidon, we were talking about earlier, you you love looking at those statues, right? I mean, there's, there's something to be yeah. said about As soon as you statues. walk in, I no, think it's, it's cool, but I mean, you're there for no more than... That's true, because my eyes get fixated on the kinetic energy that happens with the fireplace yeah, the and, fire like, and seeing the little tease that they kind of do yeah. at the beginning of the ride. Like once you're inside, I think you have a better argument for it passing, but you're, but no. that's a very, very small amount of space. It's a tie window. Yes. Uh, and I, so I do think this is a fail. I unfortunately have to agree. I think it's a fail. Poseidon, what do you yeah, got? I agree too. <laughs> One for three. Let's go to test number four, the Tony Stark test. How innovative is this attraction? Does it push theme park tech forward? No. <laughs> Damn, dude. This is I love so it, but brutal. no. I hate this. Uh, <laughs> no. Do you think it does, Byron? You know, Maybe make you an know, argument. You know, what I love about this test is, despite our love for this ride, reality's got to strike. Reality and, does and, and have it's to striking it down in this particular moment. There is room for a comeback. But in regards to the Tony Stark test, there's nothing that went into this ride like tech wise on its own that wasn't implemented in any of the other opening day Fantasyland dark ride attractions forcing us to face the cold hard facts of reality and I don't think this passes I unfortunately think this is a fail that's one for four moving on to test number five the Hollywood test can this attraction be adapted for the silver screen does it have a comprehensible story hell yeah dude here's a pass I think this is clearly a pass it came from a film I give it a pass. Oh, I thought you were going to say something nah, different. Nah, no, nah. I mean, clearly. I, I, I want to duke you out for a second, but. I mean, they never show you the actual crazy car ride in the film. You do die and you do go to hell. But like I said, in my own headcanon, he burst right out of hell and back into his house. So yeah, I'd love to see a film version hell of this spin him out. filling in the, uh, in the part of the film that they don't show. I would love to see like an animated short of the version that's depicted in the ride. I just <laughs> yeah. think that'd be so fucking cool. Two for five. See, we're coming back. Here we go. Moving on to test number six. This is the Simpson test. How likely is this ride to be replaced with something new, a la Back to the Future with the Simpsons? I would say not likely, but I, I think it's a logistical issue, not a we don't want to replace it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it's such a small footprint. It's under Alice. I think if they could, they would. But the fact of the matter is they can't. The nature of this ride really protects itself. It's incredible. I think this is the only attraction we've covered that passes this test purely on the merit of logistics and not and because they, they think it's too valuable of an IP. But here, here's the caveat is it did happen to Magic Kingdom. But the question is, if Magic Kingdom had one track instead of dual tracks, would it have taken up enough space to warrant the Winnie the Pooh takeover? I think this is a pass. Uh, I think well, we got one back on the board. Yeah, that's right. All right. Three for six. That's a pass. Moving on to test number seven, the signature moment test. Can this ride hold its own without its signature moment? Is it a one trick pony? Now, the signature moment of this is got to be going to hell, right? I agree. Yeah, for sure. It's a signature moment for me. Oh, my God. Didn't you just say like three minutes ago that if the, if you didn't go to hell, the ride wouldn't be good? You said someone I don't know said if something. I, said, I think Poseidon might have been. That, yeah. <laughs> that, might have, wait, wait, that might have been Poseidon. As somebody said that if you took that part out of the ride. However, however, though, if you take that moment out and you still get hit by that train, which you still would, it would be left up to debate of what happened. Oh, Oof. man, that is... That is fucking brutal. Because I, I, I wish love a lot of the ride, didn't. but if that specific scene was gone, it, it would be very different. I think I would still enjoy the ride, but there's no way could I say, oh, this is world class. No, nor, nor is it like an iconic cult 
classic. I think we know what we have to do, but do we have the strength to do it? No. You got to push the button, dude. I think it's. I hate to say it, guys. I think this is a fail. Yeah. And if it is, that means that we are now heading towards a best case scenario in which six out of ten gets us to debate it into being a world class ride, and I'm okay with that. Is it a fail? Yes, I agree. It's a fail. Yeah. It's a fail. Oh. Look, you can't you can't win them all. Right? I know you can't win them all, but I love this ride. So three for seven. Let's move into the final three tests. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor, and hopefully we come back with some good news. All right, and we're back. Let's get into test number eight: the premature detraculation test. Does this ride finish too soon? I don't think it does. I, I think it's actually well-paced. I, I agree. I, I, I can't imagine them adding. I've watched the Magic Kingdom version, and that one does seem yeah. to kind of meander a bit. So I, I do think that this yeah. one is the perfect length. It's just a bunch of short scenes. They all have an impact, and then it just abruptly ends, which is a good thing. Which is great. I like the abrupt end because it helps kind of sell the shock of that moment. Yeah, it's just all uh, chaos. From beginning to end, it's just you like got plopped right in the middle it of it. It is a wild and you're, ride. And you're, and you're on a dash. It really lives up to its name. 98 seconds of just rapid pacing. You start in Toad Hall. You go out through the countryside. You make your way to London. You almost fly into the dock. You stop by a bar. You end back in the English countryside. It, it does feel like you're going through a full-fledged adventure all the way to the depths of hell. So it's a pass. Two more tests. Let's do it, guys. Exit hall test. Test number nine. Do you see people be physically excited getting off of this ride? Do they have that bounce in their step when they're leaving through the exit hall? You know, we joked earlier that a lot of people come off shocked, but I do legitimately see a lot of people get off of this. So like, yeah, let's go again. Like, especially little kids. I, I'm going to I'm not going to lie. I also think that this is one of the better mic drop moments in a ride. Whether or not they're actually like stoked or excited, they're definitely engaged. They're talking. They're saying, did we just go to hell, etc. Things like that. I, I think this is a pass. Oh, you look like you're you're skeptical over there. I, I <laughs> hey, look, look, it looks like it's on its way two or three. No, say what you have to say. I will, I'll say still it. make my say piece. It. Uh, every time I get off the ride, I'm like, sweet. <laughs> 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 but then the majority of people, they just have a WTF face. <laughs> um, WTF I can't, face. I can't. In good, I can't honestly say there's a lot of unless you're in that bracket of people that truly enjoy this ride. But even for me, it's kind of. I think most people, if they have not seen this ride they don't know the ending you're gonna get a reaction from them at the end of this ride even if it is a wtf face well no one's doing like the roller coaster tycoon jump after they go to hell no they aren't doing unless that you're like, unless you're sadistic <laughs> oh man i i mean that is a good point hey but... you could stay on that side of the fence hey look you could, could two-thirds me out into getting this <laughs> to pass well what um, do you think about what he just said Poseidon? because i i mean he made some good points at least in my experience, I do feel like I always see people pretty excited when they're off the ride, but I don't know if that's just my projection onto other people's reactions. <laughs> I will respectfully disagree. I do think that people often act excitedly, not because they dislike it, but because they're like, oh yeah, like that was that was just weird. Like it's just they like how crazy it is. God damn it. Now I'm in the middle. <laughs> it's Literally. tough. And I will add to, to Poseidon's point, like I might have had some good bounce when I went on it as a kid. I see kids love this ride. So the reason why is because you know, they, they look like they feel like they're driving and that like gets them stoked. They don't can, even care that, about the part they go to hell. They're just like, dude. And I feel I like drive. oftentimes we, you know, we review these these attractions through the lens of an adult. And I think that's sometimes a blind spot. So in that regard, 
I could also see a, a good pocket of people, especially kids, having some having some legitimate bounce. I'm still sticking with my no, but <laughs> if you're in the middle there, I have to I have to be fair and I have to give you an opportunity to uh, keep this attraction in contention <laughs> to being world class. <laughs> <laughs> This sucks, dude. I, I'm i really torn in this one because I do agree with you that most people get off this ride and they usually do have a what the fuck was that kind of like look expression on their face. And then there are some people who love things that are crazy and they're like, dude, I can't believe this ride just killed us and sent us to hell. That's amazing. And they, they do have the bounce. So I think because there is no matter what a reaction whether it's a good or a bad one. I know the test says, do we see people be physically excited? Like they could be excited by the, what the hell did I just go through? I think people are talking after they get off this ride. Um, I, I honestly think that. I don't know. You should see some of those photos from 1955. Oh. I like looked at some of them this morning. Like, Oh, people getting off? Yeah. You see like a kid like hugging their parents and putting their face down. <laughs> 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 but then there's yeah there's some smiling happy faces I, but once again i think we should just go off personal experience the energy you feel after you get off the ride i love this ride i will leave it to you though ryan oh, no, that's no pressure you bullshit. can sink or keep this thing afloat if you sink it i won't hold it against you <laughs> <laughs> this is the hardest one we've ever done i uh you know what i might catch flack in this for the comments i'm passing it it's a pass i'm passing it two-thirds five for nine this is the last test here and this will determine whether or not we could debate it into being a world-class attraction. The fine wine test. Has this ride aged well? Has your opinion of the attraction appreciated or depreciated since your first experience? Or if it's a new ride, do you believe it will age well? As long as you're a fan of like Fantasyland and its dark rides, I think, yeah, it has aged really well. I have to agree with that. I, I do think that the, the upkeep on this ride is pretty excellent. I don't think I've ever really seen anything not working. And I think the story still has the same amount of impact that it had back when it first started it still shocks people so i went on it about a month or two ago it was like the first time i went on it in years yeah i got off that ride i remember saying still got it still has the fastball still got the fastball the further along we go with how technology you know yeah. takes these attractions to new heights to have this unique little pocket yeah in fantasy land i think it helps improve the appreciation i think it's a pass i think it's a pass as well that's six out of 10. We can now debate if whether or not we think this is a world-class attraction. Besides, would you like to go first or last? I think I'd like to end because I kind of, okay. I don't know if I can say it without my verdict. All right, Byron, let's let's go, go with you then. I am going to circle back to a uh -oh. moment earlier in this program yep. where Poseidon himself mentioned that there is something very novel about it not being this knock the walls down sort of attraction. Yeah. Attractions such as these are pivotal yeah. to giving extra little layers to your experience at a park. So with that being said, I can live with the idea of this not necessarily being a world-class attraction, still enjoying it and knowing that it provides a lot of good to the overall theme park experience. I would go with a fail. <sighs> oh, you son of a bitch. All right, let me, let me think about this really quick. I think that in terms of dark rides, it's up there in the pantheon of greats. I don't think there's a lot of dark rides better than it. I think, if anything, there are rides that are on par with it. It is my favorite dark ride. Now, you by you saying your favorite dark ride, you're meaning more like the classic pretzel style. The classic pretzel style dark ride. I think it is the best version of that. It has the most personality where it doesn't feel like it's just rehashing 
the story of, you know, whatever film it's based off. Like, you go on Pinocchio, you're just basically seeing some of the cool scenes from that, those films. In this particular ride, because it kind of deviates from the film that it's based on, you are getting a story told to you. So I do think, because of that reason alone, it's, my, in my opinion, the best dark ride in Fantasyland. And it has an element in which you suffer the consequences of your actions and then go to hell. There is no other ride that does that that is that hardcore. And for that reason alone, I think you could say that it's a world-class attraction. That's what I think. So I, I'm I'm going to vote yes. I think it's a world-class attraction. So That means it comes down to you, Poseidon. All right, all right. So I love this ride, but I'm going to deliver the final verdict of no, it's not a world-class attraction. Oh my God. I love it. It's better as a theme park equivalent of a cult classic because I like that it's weird. It's not something that you would, or at least you wouldn't clone it today. Yeah, yeah. And... I don't know. I I always like weird <laughs> theme park attractions, right? Like those are the things that I like yeah, to specifically sure. seek out. So that's why I continue to love it. But yeah, no, it's, it's not world class. This felt very similar to when my first girlfriend broke up with me <laughs> and she said, I, this isn't going to work. She started with that. And as you were talking about why it's not a world class attraction, I felt the same heartbreak. Uh, and I haven't felt that in years. I think Poseidon hit the nail on the head. With that statement, look, like think about think about like the syndrome line and the Incredibles. Like if everyone's super, no, no one, no one syndrome. will be. If everyone's super, no one will be. Like if, that's actually a pretty good. I line. think what makes this ride so special for us yes. is the fact that not everyone thinks it's a special. That's oh god. Now I feel like a dork for saying it's a world class attraction. <laughs> hey, it's on the record. I think it, it could be world class within our hearts, just not necessarily world class on this program. <laughs> this is the first ride that has not reached world-class status because to this point we've been doing undeniable bangers this is what this podcast is about it's not that every ride is a world-class attraction it's that we love these rides regardless i could live with this i could live with this i think this is the right outcome i've been outvoted and i'm fine with it i won't hold it against either of you it's Uh, painful to say it's it's a fail there will be rides i'm sure that we'll have on this program that are you know why you keep saying program like you're 80 years old watching oprah you're just shifting it on to me because you try to pass this ride Take, I need someone to take some anger. <laughs> there will be rides there on will this be rides. podcast. That's right. There you go. That we will gleefully bag on. Oh, no. We, we haven't done a hate attraction yet, but they're coming. That does it for this episode of For Your Amusement. Thank you again to Poseidon Entertainment for gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. Is there anything that you would like to plug for our audience right now that you're working on that you're excited for? If you want to check out my channel, I just reached 100,000 subscribers. So that's a good, cool milestone for Congratulations. me. Congratulations. Yeah. But the real thing I want to plug is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Just if you haven't rented it, go ride it. Incredible. Go to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plug the ride. To plug the ride. If you're listening to this, type in Poseidon Entertainment on YouTube. You won't be disappointed. He's got some fun content over there. He's a fellow hot takesman, as I am as well. Yeah, I hope I'm not he, he defined by my cynicism. But if you see a video title that looks negative, I feel that... In the end, I usually justify my points. You know, it's the YouTube game. Sometimes you have to put things in the title to get people in, and then they could take in the nuance, which I know the internet loves and very much, <laughs> uh, you know, can can uh, digest. Once again, thank you. And then uh, thank you again to all of you listening and watching this. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to this, subscribe to the podcast and go, uh, go ahead and do us a favor and rate as well. That also helps keep the podcast alive we're we're a young podcast over here we're hoping to keep doing this forever so we could eventually cover all the rides and follow us on at fya pod on all the socials i'm at ryan bergara on instagram and at ryan s bergara on twitter he's at byron a Moran on everything else thank you guys for watching and uh go to hell <laughs>